Welcome to the Fayetteville Fire Podcast, where we talk about all things fire-related, safety tips, and things that are happening in our can-do city. I'm your host, Don Cheetah. I'm Captain Community Risk Reduction for the Fayetteville Fire Department. And I'm Demetri Gons, Fire and Life Safety Educator with the City of Fayetteville Fire Department. And we're going to be your host for podcasts. We'd like to welcome everybody. This is our initial podcast. Uh, today, later on, we're going to talk about cooking fires. You know, cooking fires equate to over half of our fires in the accidental fires in the country. We're going to talk about why that's important later on this show. So our first show today is going to be about fire investigation. With us today, we got Battalion Chief Jason Davis and Lieutenant Chris McCullen, both certified fire investigators and part of our fire investigation team in, in Fayetteville. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Hey, how are y'all doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. <laughs> so let's talk about the Fayetteville Fire Investigation Team. What is that exactly? Uh, our fire investigation team is uh, a group of individuals that uh, usually have an interest in fire investigations. Uh, we respond out to some of the fires that occur in the city. If uh, the initial uh, folks on the scene can't determine what the cause of the fire was, if it's not an obvious cause, then our investigators will come out, we'll examine the fire scene and uh, try and narrow down the cause of the fire. So the investigation team, is that just Fayetteville Fire Department? Uh, it's comprised of the Fayetteville Fire Department. We have some partners within the police department that assist us uh, at times, uh, even on accidental fires. There's times when we need a law enforcement presence just uh, because it gives us some access to other things. Uh, it also gives them a chance to, to be involved. Uh, we also partner with uh, the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation and the uh, Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. So, uh, question, is, is it every fire that you all investigate or specific fires? Um, every fire needs to be determined, but uh, not every fire gets investigated by the field, by the fire investigation team. Okay. Just know. fires that when where a captain or a lieutenant you know, is scratching their head and can't figure it out, we'll come there and figure it out for them. Yes, yeah, it's, it's actually a pretty small percentage. Uh, usually on average, there's about 900 fires or so in the city a year that uh, of different types, whether it's a house, a car, or something outside that occur, and we only normally investigate somewhere around, uh, somewhere between 100 and 150 of them. Right on, right on. Good deal. So last year, it uh, had 123 fire investigations conducted by the team, and uh, out of them, 11 of them undetermined. We always know what the Chiefs can tell us a little bit about undetermined because that's like a cringe word for, for Chiefs and statistics. I'm going to let you start on this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, and undetermined is just what that means is, is that we don't have enough uh, to officially say, hey, I know that this is what caused the fire. Uh, as a fire investigator, we are held to a, a little bit of a higher standard. Uh, we're not necessarily scientists, but we have to, to live – in a world that uh, a, a scientist, let's say you've got a chemist that's trying to determine something, uh, we have to follow a lot of the same principles that they do in case we have to go to court. Um, so there's times when we don't have enough that would push us over the hump, that we're not at enough evidence to support um, saying that this is most definitely the cause of the fire. Uh, in, in those cases, it's, it's an undetermined. And, and the cringe word... It, it's it's tough when you're trying to build statistics uh, when undetermined is is the cause. It doesn't necessarily mean that we don't know where the fire started or what could have started the fire, but I can't go sit 
on a witness stand in a courtroom and say that this is what started the fire. And, that, and that's what the difference is then. Mm-hmm. Being able to testify in court or say, you know, with reasonable certainty this what versus the yeah. statistic part of NIFRS and Right. It, it's statistically we could say that, well, this this started the fire, but from a standpoint of a fire investigator, we're we're held to a higher standard and we have to think about it from that standpoint. All right. So so uh undetermined is you don't have you can't say without a shadow of a doubt this is what happened. That I don't have enough evidence to support the the hypothesis the what we think started the fire okay we can either have not enough or have too much so if there's two possibilities then it's also undetermined yeah okay if we can't narrow it down and in some cases that just means that uh, let's say that somebody had a space heater plugged into a, a a surge protector strip and in those cases we might call the fire undetermined but we're you know we're we're 99. Five percent certain that something electrical was involved in the ignition of the fire, and in those cases, uh, was it something failing inside the space heater? Was it something where the space heater was plugged into the surge strip that started the fire? In those cases, we would call it an undetermined fire, but ultimately, you know, we have enough from just a statistical standpoint to say, well, the fire was related to a failure here. That makes sense. And why is it so important to determine the cause of the fire? Um, so that uh, in in accidental cases, we can uh, you you guys can put out um, PSAs and things and and make sure that try try to let that happen again. It's also if we run into several like if we run into a manufactured item that over and over again winds up being the cause of a fire, we can we can relate that back to the uh, manufacturer. And there's not a lot of product failures anymore that that lead to a lot of fires. And a lot of that is from the work that fire investigators did over the last you know, 35 or 40 years. Uh, a lot of things were running into problems, and they were they were melting down. Uh, Mr. Coffee had a problem back in the 80s. Uh, these things are much safer today because of the work that fire investigators did of, of narrowing down the calls and looking at it and working together with not just the, the public side, but when insurance companies became involved and working with manufacturers trying to say, hey, there's a problem here. Let's work towards a solution. And that's what it's all about. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's trying to get to the root cause so we can prevent them from happening again. Whatever it's all a be. safety issue. It yeah. all becomes a safety issue. Yeah, I mean, are, are we looking for something that's related to education or are we looking something to a manufacturing defect? And you guys work close close with uh, insurance investigators, private investigators in that aspect? Uh, in a lot of cases, they'll they'll call and they'll ask some questions and they'll uh, they want to know what the scene looked like before we got there because uh, a lot of times – once an investigator looks at it, it's going to look a bit, a little bit different for the future investigators that have to come. So we will work with them. And if there's something specifically with an accidental cause, uh, the private side has a lot more resources available to them. Insurance companies have uh, a lot of laboratories that they can use to, to work on testing and, and seeing if there was a failure so that they can work with the manufacturers to, to make it right. So, so it seems like it's a, a lot that goes into a uh, fire investigation. On average, uh, what's the typical time of an investigation? Three to four hours. Yeah, I, I, would, I would say uh, the scene examination portion of it is, is three to four hours. And usually for about every hour you spend on a scene, there's at least that much time back behind the scenes working on reports of yep. compiling um, what goes into it. And, you know, as you guys have, I've investigated fires for a long time myself. Uh, one of the greatest things that come along was uh, Google. Google's pretty awesome. Google's awesome. 
it, it's easy to, you can find a lot of information there. And that's part of, that's part of the investigation still. It's not just out on the scene, but. Yeah. Get, yeah, most definitely. Cause it's a, a fire investigation is a big puzzle and it, you're, uh, it, when you have the the puzzle box, you can look at the picture and see what it's supposed to look like. But uh, with a fire scene, we don't always have the picture. So sometimes Google or other resources like that, you can look it up and kind of get an idea of what some things look like. Uh, even Zillow will give you pictures of a house that was on the market. And occasionally you'll find a house that had been sold three years ago and, and you're there to fire. And you're, and you're wondering what the house kind of looked like layout wise uh, before the fire. So. Oh, that's uh, very recently I had a, a fire investigation where the fire started in the closet and um, which backed up to a, a bathroom and I was calling it the bedroom closet the whole time. And then we looked at the uh, advertisement for that dwelling on online and it turns out that closet was in the was in the bathroom. And it kind of kind of changed how I was looking at it because I'm like, well, there's no clothes in here. This is all towels and stuff. So this is a very different kind of thing. It really changed how I looked at it. Yeah, amazing when you can uh, get online and see the inside of a house a couple years prior in the layout. Yeah, it's helpful. Oh, yeah. Technology. Great resources. Good resources. <laughs> so, you know, we know investigations are important to get to the cause and product safeties and stuff. And what does it do for the citizens of Fayetteville you know, with their insurance and, and things like that? How does that help them? Uh Well, in, insurance-wise, uh, the more programs that the fire department has to uh, the better our insurance rating is and the uh, rates are based off of uh, the insurance rating that is done by this organization called ISO. Um, they look at fire departments in, in North Carolina. Insurance rates are based off of a fire department's or the fire district's ISO rating, the public protection classification. Um, having uh, a fire investigation program in conjunction with fire inspections and commercial businesses and education programs uh, actually help improve the, the insurance rating for the fire department. So the investigation team over the years has helped Fayetteville improve the rating. What is the rating now? Uh, we are a class one fire department, uh, which that's a, a small percentage of the fire departments across the country hold that ISO class one. Um, so the, the investigation program as part of our community risk reduction effort goes into uh, improving that, that rating. Very good, very good. So, you know, we had some training going on a few weeks ago, and uh, we got uh, marketing communications out there, uh, North Carolina 1033 uh, investigation training. Tell us what that's about. Uh, that is a two-week program that is uh, like a, a basic class for fire investigators where they learn a lot of the concepts and principles that go into a fire investigation. Uh, they learn about it's really a crash course in a lot of different aspects of the parts that uh, are the professional qualifications for a fire investigator. Uh, NFPA 1033 is a standard uh, that is a, a qualification standard that says that investigators need to be able to do these certain things and have training in these certain areas. And the class is designed to give uh, newer investigators that training. Uh, there's also a hands-on portion of it where they actually have to go out and investigate some fires and be able to explain their conclusions of that fire. So it's a really good program. Okay. Uh, and speaking of, on training uh, for the fire investigation team, uh, if somebody was interested in, in joining the fire investigation team about uh, how long is the training or some of the classes that they would have to uh, go through? Uh, 
to get to a point of starting out as a new fire investigator and ultimately reaching a, a certified fire investigation level, uh, you are looking at, at several years worth of, of time in the uh, in the program as an investigator. Uh, there are a lot of classes that you need to look for, uh, that basic level class like that, North Carolina 1033. Uh, there's some other continuing education classes and seminars that are offered periodically. Uh, there's also resources available through the National Fire Academy with some really great training opportunities up there that can really further someone's ability to uh, handle a fire investigation. So it, it's, it takes several years to get to a point to where I think most investigators feel like they are really on top of really good their game. Yeah. So, so if I'm if I'm getting it right, so after you initially qualified as a uh, investigator, it's still training that you're going to have to continuously do throughout the time. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's constant training of keeping up with it. Um, so it's a pretty deep subject area because it's not only just uh, understanding certain things. You need to be under you need to have an understanding of how buildings are put together. Uh, the mechanical systems that go inside of a building. Just think about the plumbing, the heating, the electrical systems inside of a house. And uh, yeah. how all that's grounded. Yeah. Which oftentimes right. you're like, wow. Yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's, there's a bunch of stuff there. You need to be able to understand the science of fire, of mm -hmm. the, the, the fire dynamics of how fire moves, why it does what it does, how it reacts in different types of materials. Um, so there, there's, there's always, always stuff to learn. Plus, you, you need to have some training in how to talk to people because uh, a right. lot of what we do is not just looking at a fire scene and you know, it's, it's not necessarily always a movie. A lot of the information we get comes from people. Uh, we need to be able to just talk with people and, and be able to get some information from them and be able to ask questions in a way that uh, they can wind up explaining what was happening before the fire so that it helps us understand what happened. Okay. Yeah, the interview is often one of the more revealing portions of the uh, fire investigation when I'm reconstructing a room that's been destroyed and I can run out and ask somebody, okay, your bed was here. What was next to your bed? And they'll, they'll say something and it'll, it'll, it'll lead me in another direction. It's very important. But um, as far as fire training goes, if you, fire investigator training goes, if you want to start some fire, if you're very interested and you want to go ahead and start, then uh, you can get on, anybody can get on a uh, CFI trainer.net. And uh, is it net? Yes. Yeah, cfitrainer.net. I just log on to it and uh and take multiple courses on um on that give you points towards your CFI. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and you brought up a point you said uh fire science mm -hmm. and you said science a couple of times. Um fire investigation is a science and it's recognized under forensic sciences <clears throat> and governed as such. You talk about that? Uh yeah, as as time has wore on, uh, you know, it's an old movie now. I guess I'm getting old when I think of Backdraft being just a few years ago. But uh, you know, there was a fire investigator that was portrayed in there, and you know, he's kind of like looking at it as a, as a wizard and explaining stuff. But it's it's a lot more grounded than that. Uh, fire is just a, a chemical reaction. You know, it, it's a, a rapid oxidation reaction, and it's a there's science there. You know, if you think back to physical science when when you were in high school. Uh, a lot of the concepts that are talked about there, that, that's what fire is. And for us, the, over the years, fire investigators, you know, like I was saying earlier, are held to a higher standard. And when they say something started a fire, uh, in, 
being lumped in with other forensic sciences, people that would have to go to court and talk about the principles that they use to uh, to reach a determination uh, that that governs us now. Um, it's which that's a that's actually a pretty big deal, and it's it's kind of an honor that something that we do is lumped up there with a lot of other things. That you've got people that are PhDs that have been uh, through all kinds of specialized training and education, and uh, we're we're in there with them. Um, so that's a it's a pretty big honor for us. Uh, but it also means that we have to work very hard at the education that we get and the training that we get, so that it uh, it's meaningful and. And helps us. And, and Chief, you know, you're talking about court and stuff. You've actually qualified as an expert witness in a case I have. in court. I have. I didn't want to bring it up. I know it's a sore <laughs> subject for you. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've testified in an arson case, uh, a fire that occurred here in the city uh, several years ago. Um, so, you, so you say arson case. We keep calling it a fire investigation team. Um, and you've heard other things thrown out, arson task force and stuff like that. And you just mentioned testifying in, in court for arson. You know, what's kind of di- difference between investigation team and arson task force? Uh, well, you know, arson in North Carolina is a crime where someone has set somebody else's house on fire. You know, you set the dwelling of another on fire. So, you know, it's, it has to be in a house or a hotel can qualify as that, uh, but setting a fire to a car or setting fire in the woods or even setting fire to a, a government building, that's not technically arson here. So uh, we use the term fire investigation because we investigate fires uh, and we work to determine the cause of a fire. And in a lot of cases, that's, that's not going to be arson. Uh, I know for me, when I look at my statistics uh, of the fires that I've investigated, uh, you know, maybe a third of them were an intentional fire and uh, a third of them I know were accidental, and there's a third in there that you know we're in that undetermined realm that we can't say for certain. But you know, a lot of cases I can lean one direction. Uh, so yeah, we're we're investigating fires, and that's why we we don't use the term arson for the investigation. I can I consider arson to be more of a um, that's more of a more of PD's realm. Usually, when I investigate a fire, what I'm all I'm trying to find is the origin and the cause of the fire. And if I find that that origin and cause is, um, you know, is criminal, then I go to PD and I say this happened, and it happened here, and somebody did this, and then they start doing their investigation, it, which kind of jumps off of ours as a springboard into theirs, because I can't adjudicate anybody. I can just say this happened. And that's that's my job. So a fire investigation team like we are, the team concept that we are, that's our goal is the origin and cause. And an arson task force would be to stop arson. All right, that makes sense. So, so tell us what what is the most difficult um, fire, big fire, difficult fire that you've had in your careers? Uh, big size. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you, the the memories come back, and you're trying to so many. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of difficult fires to investigate uh, it, for different reasons. I mean, sometimes it's the size of the building, the amount of damage that's been done to it. Uh, those are difficult. Um, you know, when you get into uh, investigating a fatal fire, those are difficult because you're you're dealing with the death of a person, and that's a uh, that's a uh, that's a hard thing to have to to think about and deal with and, and be part of mm-hmm. and a lot of times. So. Uh, yeah. Does it feel like it puts more pressure on you? 
Yeah, you know, in a case, especially if a fatality's there, uh, you definitely want to make sure that you go far enough to to find out what happened and trying to determine not only what started the fire but what led to someone uh, someone dying in the fire, so that we can hopefully come up with something in the future to prevent that. Um, yeah, we we push smoke detectors all the time, and they make a difference. And you know, there's a lot of times where uh, some of the the fatal fires I've investigated. You know, they weren't working smoke detectors inside the house, and that uh, that probably made a difference in, in why someone, uh, you know, wound up dying there. And in a lot of cases, it's because people they wind up taking the batteries out, or they take the smoke detector down. We'll find the we'll find remnants of one, but we can look at it and, and tell that it didn't work. So those those are those are the tough ones. Uh, I think the uh, I think the the biggest one for me was the um, was a Haymount grill because of how many days it took to do because we had to wait for heavy equipment to move stuff out of the way, and uh, it wasn't really that technical uh, uh, an investigation itself. It was just we had to wait on so much equipment to get it done. You know, normally things take like I said three or four hours. Um, some of them less than that, and some of them a lot more. But I mean that took several days because we were because we had to find you know. We had to find that equipment. We had to find, you know, and we had to be there when it was being done. You know, we couldn't just let them do it and then come back and investigate what was left. We had every piece that came out. We had to investigate that piece. It was, uh, it was very technical. You're, you're taking apart a building in a systematic fashion, and it's when the building didn't fall in in a systematic fashion, it makes it difficult. Oh, yeah. yeah. And of course, like you said, the uh, the ones where someone someone died, or um. So, so you have, uh, so you have the uh, the pressure of a, a fatal fire that that builds up with that. You have the the time. What's some of the uh, the curveballs like? What the the curveballs that you've seen on a, a investigation? Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> Where to start, bro? Yeah, there's uh, yeah. A lot of times uh, you're you're getting to a point, and all of a sudden you find something that you're you're kind of like, oh man, this is uh this changes a lot of stuff and now I have to almost kind of backtrack and, right. and start over in a lot of ways. Uh, had some fires like that. Um, yeah, I had a, I had a fire one time. Uh, I believe you and I were on Lieutenant McCullum. We had a fire one time. We were all pretty certain, got to the area of origin and we're digging out pretty certain how the fire started. And then we came across the, uh, lithium ion battery operated cordless drill that we, and it kind of threw us a curveball. Yep. So, what about you, Lieutenant McCollum? What's the craziest one? Man, there's so many in my head. Um, <laughs> no, that's just the voices. But. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> the voices don't talk to me anymore because they think I'm crazy. Um, now, the um, the uh, the thing that I always tell people is when I when I come to come into a room, I, I find a, what the room of origin is, and it's completely burned everywhere. And there's a trash can on one side that's totally burned down, and on the other side is uh, a power strip, and it's totally burned down. Which one of those things started the fire, and which one of those things was the result of the fire, is something that you have to really, really dig into to figure out. And those are always, and when I get to those, I'm like, ah, oh, I wish this was much less burned, so I'd know this happened right <laughs> over here. And uh, and you know, I'm like, oh, there's another hour, two hours of me just digging, trying to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of times the stuff that kind of makes a, an investigation a little bit wacky is is the people and just it, it's a very emotional time for people. So you, you see a lot and it's uh it's tough on them and that kind of right. makes stuff just a little off the wall at times. Um, 
you know, there's some, some of it probably is not something that really should be broadcast. <laughs> but, uh. Yeah, and you're going back to the interviews and stuff, and we know that everybody always tells the truth all the time, right? When they're in emotional uh, stress and of an event. Yeah, it's uh, it's difficult on people. And, and a fire is a very traumatic event for a lot of people. And, and those of us that are in the business, and we see so many fires, and a lot of times it, it's, I'm not saying that we're numb to it, but it's it's the everyday thing. It's kind of like driving from home to work and from work back home for people. It just it's you're you're around it so often that it just it doesn't seem that off the wall. But uh, even routine fires, what we would deem routine, are really traumatic for people, and and that's something that is really for me been illustrated working as a fire investigator is that uh, I'm coming in after the fact a lot of times and the the smoke is cleared out and we're there and, and you're talking with people and it's a, uh, you can see the effect that the fires had on them. It's a, uh, it's pretty tough on them. You also get a, there's, there's a lot of, when you start doing the interview, especially for me trying to reconstruct the scene, there's a lot of people that don't really have a very clear memory of how their room was set up because they've just seen it so long. You're like right here, there's something. And they're like, no, there's nothing there. And then later on they're like, oh yeah, there was a trash can there. I've had that there for years. I forgot about it. Yeah. And uh, and little things like that, and you know, and it also, you know, it depends a lot on how cleanly that person was too. You know, the the more the more messy the room is, the uh, the more um, the more questions you're going to have. So it's a lot of variables. Lots of a lot variables. of variables. Many. Well, gentlemen, we appreciate you having her on the show today. Uh, we keep doing good things out there. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I appreciate it. It was, a, it was an honor to be here. So at the beginning of our show, we were talking about cooking fires, and we want to know why that's important. So last year, the city of Fayetteville, we had 371 structure fires. Out of that, 86 originated on the stovetop in the kitchen and consumed portions or all of the kitchen. In addition, we had 581 cooking fires contained on the stovetop to the container just food burning in a pan. That's pretty significant. So what we're here to tell you today. Uh, stand by your pan. Stay in your kitchen. Uh, less than It takes less than five minutes for uh, auto ignition, and uh, it could cost anywhere up to $7.5 million in damage. So, yeah, so last year, over $7.5 million in fire loss. And when we say stand by your pan, uh, Demetric and I did a demonstration uh, back in October Fire safety day. <clears throat> we set an outside kitchen display up with the with the stove top, uh, put some oil in a pan, started heating it up. Uh, and it was a windy day, unlike it's going to be in her kitchen. And we were able to get auto ignition in less than five minutes. Now you think about that, five minutes. Five minutes to go to the bathroom. Five minutes to go out in the garage and smoke a cigarette. Five minutes to text your friend back and forth. Scrolling down TikTok. Scrolling down TikTok. Yeah. Going through Facebook. <laughs> Five minutes is a blink, and suddenly your your kitchen's on fire. So we can't stress enough this this week. Stand, Stand by, by your pan. pan. Yep. Well, we thank you for joining us on our original podcast, our initial podcast. Be sure to subscribe to Radio Fateville on your favorite streaming platform to listen to all of our podcasts. Next time, we're going to talk about hands-only CPR. I hope you join us then. Yep. Thank you for coming. Thanks, Demetri. <laughs>